You're listening to Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey, the podcast that shares wisdom and strength. Join your host, Dr. Michelle St. Jane's weekly conversation on how to have a positive impact for people, planet, and the wider world. If you want to live a life of intention, be proactive with your time, and bring your vision for the future to life one today at a time, you are in the right place at the right time. Let's get started. Our conversations have been widely diverse. They've centered on balancing your personal happiness with your professional happiness, bringing your humor, investigating the landscape of the love market. Looking at the digital matchmaking process of online dating is an efficient way of expanding the choice pool for courtship. Are you tired of COVID isolation? Taking responsibility is a good strategy. It keeps you open to considering a wider perspective of partners than we're conditioned to consider by society while remembering you need to incorporate the potential risks and not underestimate the chanciness of love. This is a complicated topic. The research is not necessarily deep and wide, not to mention the impact of the pandemic. There's a new norm. I will hazard a walk down the path of how we might be smarter and safer, progressing by choice with less chanciness. Predominantly, the research is based on the Pew Research Center. There will be references in the show notes and transcript. So let's lean into the dark side, the downside, and dive into the deeper issues. To keep in mind, they're ranging from physical safety risks, privacy risks, economic risks, and more. I will be touching on these. According to Pew researchers Anderson, Vogels, and Turner, they share the 2019 study results of the downsides of online dating. Let's talk harassments, let's talk scams. In no particular order, here we go. Wanted, dead or alive, technology and privacy create opportunities and challenges. The choice point of the internet and love is also known as online dating. According to the Pew Research Center, in 2019, roughly 6 in 10 online daters in America were concerned about data collection. You may be right to be concerned about the commercial use, the inappropriate selling or sharing of your personal data, preferences, sensitive data such as sexual orientation, gender identity, drug and alcohol use, tobacco product consumption, employment, political views and more. And let's not forget, some of these dating apps use GPS to make locating available singles nearby. Algorithmic commodification of footprints of desire, according to author John Shaney Lippold, who's an expert in the area of digital media and identity, considers the concept of privacy. It's a complex configuration of Machiavellian algorithms and how datafied ourselves show up in the digital world. He poses the question, can we have privacy? After all, our data speaks for itself, not us. Soft biopolitics, control without control, creates a datafied digital self. You are who the algorithms say you are, with or without direct participation. Risk number two, time and the economic risk. Online dating. Let's start thinking about the time spent in this space. 
Behavioral economist Dan Airy in 2010 said it allows people to save time achieving their goals. Time-wise, does it? Well, users of dating sites actually get minimal real-life returns for the amount of time spent online. Airy says, and I quote, markets are coordination mechanisms that allow people to save time while achieving their goals. Do dating services help people achieve their goals more efficiently than the real world alternative? Airy studied online daters and he found that people spend on average 5.2 hours per week searching profiles, 6.7 hours per week emailing or communicating with potential partners, 12 hours a week in the screening stage. What was the payoff? Hmm, 1.8 hours a week actually possibly meeting a potential partner in the real world. Nothing more frustrating than meeting for coffee and it doesn't work out. So Erin suggests, imagine driving six hours in order to spend one hour at the beach with a friend or someone you don't know, nor can be sure you will like. So he suggests that online dating is risky in economic terms because you have to spend a lot of time looking at prospective partners who may have little or no interest to you once you meet them in the real world. (laughs) Rachel Shear, author of Date to Find Your Soulmate, shared her experience of the five-hour each-way date. Yes, she drove 10 hours to meet a chap twice. The second time, he didn't come. So consider the other side of time and the costs, particularly for women preparing for a date. There are societal expectations of beauty, according to Froelich and Migladi. Basically, women have to spend more money on looking beautiful to keep up with standards and more time. This all doesn't happen by chance. Mind you, there is the advent of virtual dating. You can pick your background and never leave your abode. I'm wondering if people will no longer question isolation and be willing to go the distance of displacement. Slow down, indulge the virtual world of screens and other communication options before meeting physically in person. The next risk is physical harm. There are some groups who are particularly wary of this idea of being online. Again, Pew Research surveys report that women are more inclined than men to believe that dating sites and apps are not safe. 53% of women, 39% of men. Dating services enable people to meet and often overcome really dangerous obstacles to find each other in real life. So Kira's called for online too. One of the guests and host of We got this podcast, Cheyenne, she had a story around her first date, which actually went about 10 hours. And then her and her partner went off in the car on the first date and he decided to join her at the gym. So she's sitting in the car, making the smart choice not to go inside the house. The garage opens up and as he races through the garage, there is a dead deer strung up. She said she had this horror music running through her head and dark thoughts, plus her mother giving her warnings, and she realized he probably was a weekend hunter. After all, she was not silly because there is a higher probability of women facing physical assault. There are reports of rape after meeting someone on a dating app. Americans who have never used a dating site or app are particularly skeptical about the safety of online dating. 
approximately half of them who've never used the websites or the apps, that's 52%, believe the platforms are not at all safe. Make sure you check the terms of use. Does it put the responsibility on you as a user? 53% of Americans, including those who have not been online dating, agree that dating sites and apps are somewhat safe of a way to meet people, while a smaller share believe they are not too or not safe enough for meeting people. My guest, Kate Haynes, is an actor, singer, vlogger, writer, and host of her own podcast, Made Haynes Out of It. She takes a relatively shallow dive into curses and disasters, mishaps, and mayhems on her podcast. Kate also has a project called Save the Word. It started out as a single blog post and has gone on to be a published collaborative anthology in 2020. Moreover, it's going from the page to the stage. It's an ongoing collaboration project bringing together survivors of sexual assault, abuse, and rape so they can share in their own words. There is a second book coming out and submissions are open for anyone who now feels it's time to share their story. There'll be a link to Kate's website in the show notes. So people, I give you Kate to share in her own words. So you're also a blogger and you've written a book as well. Would you like to share about that? Yes, I will, definitely. Yeah, my blog, which is on my website, madeahames.com, it started off probably about 2014, I think. It might have been previous to that I started writing on there. It was just started off as like a journal, really. So I would write about things that I was passionate about or events that I'd had gone to or anything, really, that like a diary. And then I started using it a bit more to focus on mental health and mental illness, and it got a little bit more in-depth and important. The main reason I'd started it, I believe, is because I wanted to share my story about sexual assault, sexual abuse and rape. And I eventually found the courage to share my blog post about my own experiences. That blog post then started off a whole host of people messaging me saying, this is brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing. And I wish I could share my story, but I just don't have the courage to do so. And so I thought, well, these people can't be left unheard. That's not fair. So I said to them, if you want to share your story with me and I'll put it into a book and then your story can be shared, but you can remain anonymous if you wish, if you don't want anyone to know. And so that's what I've done last year. I published that. It's called Say the Word and it's now been turned into a play as well. So that's exciting. Wow. Well, I will definitely put links in the show notes to the books and the play and everything else. I think it's really important and I'm very grateful and appreciate you sharing on this episode because according to Pew Research, close to half of Americans still think meeting someone through a dating site is unsafe. Would you say that's the same for the UK as well? Or is there a different sense about it? I'm not sure on the statistics, but I do know that there's probably a lot of people that do see it as being unsafe. And I think it's not something that you should look at as being unsafe, but you do definitely have to be careful. I mean, there's plenty of dating sites that were available where there's one called Plenty of Fish, which is free. And so anybody can sign up and anybody can send anyone messages. I went on Match.com because you had to pay. And so to me, that meant if you're paying, you're probably a little bit more serious about it. But definitely people have got to make sure that somebody knows where you're going. And the dates that I'd gone on, I would message someone and say, I'm here with this person. I plan on doing this. Obviously, the 12-hour drinking session didn't go to my plans. But it would always be a case of make sure somebody knows where you are, obviously. And somebody knows the name of the person that you're with. 
And so it was always, it would always be a joke, actually. The person I'm meeting is probably going to murder me. I mean, that's not funny, but you just don't know. You do not know who you are meeting. And it would always be a case of, I'm not going to meet up with somebody just off a first message or something like that. I mean, my partner, like I say, we've been together eight years and we were messaging for about two months before we even had our first date. So got to just have your wits about you. I mean, it's the thing for me would be, if you found a person's name and if you could find them on Facebook and they had a lot of interaction on Facebook, then they're probably quite a regular person. If you've got a blank profile that doesn't have any pictures on it and there's got no friends, then it's probably a bit dodgy. Good tip. Really good tip. For the age range, 18 to 34, they tend to be the target of rude and harassing behavior on some of these platforms. The dating sites are very accessible. In fact, you know, they don't necessarily check the sex offenders register and things like that, right? But being sexually explicit messages and images, which people don't ask for, is pretty upsetting for some and maybe not for others. But there are mixed results out there about the variability of most people are saying they're having a good experience. But for example, Tinder created a machine learning tool to flag potential and offensive messages. But the person who received it had to report it as inappropriate because, again, what is normal or what is acceptable to who will be different. And, of course, in the other major social media platforms like Facebook and Google, they've been using AI for years to flag violating content. I found it interesting that in 2017, Tinder launched Men Improvement geared towards improving their behavior and minimizing harassment. And last year, they integrated Noonlight, which is a service that provides real-time tracking and emergency services in case a date goes wrong. You just need to push a button. So thank you for the tips. That's a blessing for people to know what's out there and how to deal with it, but definitely letting someone know where you are and who with and making sure that person is Googleable according to yes. previous guests. Make sure that they Definitely. show up and have current photos. So, Kate, any other words on the dating scene? Any any other tips and strategies? I think from what I've said, it's um, that you know just keep sitting, keep your wits about you. Make sure you know who you actually are going to meet. Meet in a public place as well, and don't ever. I hear so many people tell me that they've gone to meet someone at their house. And I just think that is the most dangerous thing to do. Please don't ever do that. Meet in a public place, definitely. And I love that men improvement thing that you just mentioned there, because it isn't just women that suffer the sexual assault and sexual abuse or harassment. Obviously, men do as well. But it shouldn't be a case of telling women that they shouldn't dress a certain way or they shouldn't act a certain way. They should be able to act and dress in the way that they feel comfortable. And it should be men that are taught how to be respectful of women and not women being told to cover up or not be, you know, a little bit body confident. There's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, I do like I do like that idea. And of course, there are other communities like transgender and other communities that are targeted, which is not acceptable as well. So I don't mean to be limiting my diversity. So Kate, you're a podcaster. You made a hames out of it. I would love to hear more about your fortnightly podcast. Yes, I am a podcaster. Thank you very much for mentioning that. I started my podcast last year and Made a Hames out of it is an old Irish saying, and obviously my surname is Hames. Uh, to make a Hames out of it is to mess something up. 
And so my podcast talks about curses and mishaps and mayhem and disasters. I've talked about the Titanic, um, cursed Christmas singles. I've just done one about cursed hotels. Basically, it's a lot of cursed things at the moment, but it's all about things going wrong. Fee or free? That is the debate around dating sites and apps. Does your dating site verify screen or do offender registry checks for you, the user? In 2011, Match agreed to screen as a result of Carol Markin, who was raped by a six-time offender on their second date. Match undertook to be a California Attorney General's office, then led by the current Vice President of America, Kamala Harris, to identify sex offenders and check registries to respond to users' rape complaints and institute an abuse reporting system. Note, this was done for paid subscribers. In 2018, there was a Tinder death date in New Zealand. English backpacker Grace Mullane was strangled by her Tinder date in her hotel room in New Zealand, December 2018. He was back on the dating app, arranging his next date the next morning while her body was still in his room. There are some online daters who say someone via a dating site or app has threatened physical harm to them. In January 2020, Tinder rolled out a panic button feature in the United States. You can trigger it silently if you feel unsafe and alert the authorities. It will also give your location. Some critics, going back to privacy, was worried about the violation of users via the location access. Tinder reckons that a third-party company will hold the data, not Tinder itself, and the benefits outweigh the privacy concerns. Match Group, the owner of Tinder, has many other popular sites, up to about 45, and plans to expand this feature to the other dating apps. And the majority of dating platforms do not conduct criminal background checks or verify identity of users and their age. Often the responsibility is put back on the user. There are lengthy terms of use and policies. Columbia Journalism Investigations and ProPublica in 2019 heightened the disparity between Match Group's flagship and website, which screened for paying customers against government sex offender registries and its other apps. In January 2020, as I said, Tinder rolled out the panic button. Also in January 2020, the subcommittee of the Economic and Consumer Policy, which falls under the House Committee and Oversights and Reform, chaired by Carolyn B. Maloney. The chairman of the subcommittee is Raja Krishnamuth. And on economic consumer policy, I quote, he says, protection from sexual predators should not be the luxury confined to the paying customers. In 2018, the Federal Trade Commission reported that Americans lost $143 million to internet romance scams. The report of these crimes tripled between 2012 and 2016. And I'm talking about the US, of course. Many of these scams originate on legitimate websites for dating and apps, making it difficult to identify until it's too late. Another Pew Research survey, which oversampled lesbian, gay or bisexual adults, LGB, said this community is likely to encounter this kind of behavior on dating platforms because of sexual orientation. 56% of LGB users said someone on a dating site or app has sent them sexually explicit messages 
or images they didn't ask for compared to about a third of the straight users. The same happened more likely than straight users for LGB users to be threatened with physical harm. Other research suggests that online dating is especially important for populations with a small pool of potential customers, partners, such as those who identify as LGB. Harassment, let's consider some of the patterns of digital abuse. A 2017 Pew Research Centre survey, which used different measures of harassment, found that 45% of men and 39% of women had experienced some sort of online harassment. However, women were more likely to encounter sexualized forms of harassment. 52% of women between 18 and 34 years of age reported receiving an explicit image they had not asked for compared to 36% of men. Teens are also being recipients of unwanted messages online. And in a separate survey in 2018, Pew found that roughly a third of teen girls between 15 and 17 had received sexually explicit messages they did not ask for. Again, Cheyenne and Daryl of We Got This podcast have had a very frank conversation around dick pics and body images and other great points and what you have on your profile in a previous episode. So the results of the Pew Research Center survey in 2019 showed that 60% of female users between 18 and 34 had said that someone from a dating site or an app continued to contact them after they had said no more. 57% had received sexually explicit messages and images they didn't ask for. Possibly the open nature of dating means that users, particularly strangers, feel in this environment that they can do what they like and not be held accountable for their bad behavior. So again, Pew Fat Tank tells us lesbian, gay, bisexual online daters report positive experiences, but also harassment. Interestingly, Tinder has a machine learning tool that can help flag potentially offensive messages and encourage users to report inappropriate behavior. Facebook, Google have enlisted AI for years to remove violating content. And in 2017, Tinder launched the Men Improvement Initiative, encouraging much better behavior from their male users and trying to reduce harassment. There was also an integration of Noonlight, a service that provides real-time tracking and emergency services for dates gone wrong. You can connect it to your profile, Tinder profile to turn Noonlight and press the emergency button if you need it. Moving on to romance scams. Scammers ask you to pay, wire them money, reload gift cards, so they get cash quickly and anonymously. The transactions are impossible to reverse. According to the FTC in America in 2020, 304 million US dollars were lost and it was up 50% over 2019. Romance scammers will create their profiles on dating sites and apps, fake profiles. They contact their targets through social media and they create a relationship with you, build trust with you, sometimes chatting with you quite often, many times a day and build up a story and ask for money. If that happens, report your experience and I'll have a link to the FTC complaint website So security and societal expectations, yes, another risk. 
On the other hand, let's not forget that risks arise during the professionalized wife cycle. And there is a reconfiguration of marriage this century. It's more than the vow. It's more about brand management, marketability, and the partnership of marriage. Men and women plan their personal happiness as carefully as they plan their professional happiness. Susan Leonard in 2018 wrote a book called Wife, Inc., The Business of Marriage in the 21st Century. The wife is professionalized and no longer reliant on her husband's status or money. After a half a century of battling for gender equality, women are freed from having to get a husband for economic stability, sexual fulfillment, or procreation. It's a choice, and many are opting out. So Leonard talks about smart women no longer just work in the home. The work of wifedom is online dating sites, reality TV, social media, and of course there are those financial and temporal costs for women who need to meet society's expectation of female beauty and more. Marriage is a choice and increasingly more women and men are opting out. They may not want to dissolve the marriage, they might want to expand. Let's touch base on the issue of is three a crowd? Some think not, or some do not know. Hugh Fat Tank researchers Anderson and Vogel published research in March 2020. Here is an update on what was happening. 5% of cohabitating and 3% of married people were currently online using dating services. 1% of all married adults and 2% of all cohabitating adults in the U.S., current users of dating sites and apps. Ladies, don't forget the risks. These are the ones that are more traditionally borne by women. The disproportionate responsibility for the pregnancy, child rearing, social pressures not to have too many lovers, not to have fatherless children, and to marry by a certain age. So a few concluding thoughts. There are a number of complex configurations to keep in mind when pursuing a social relationship in the digital and physical world. And there are those debates around fairness and freedom and fee-based or free-based online dating websites and apps. Dating market is capitalized. Although a popular strategy, going online confronts the shrinking social pool of real life. It raises complicated questions. And in this conversation and series two, we've been addressing some of those. It's all about a combination of soul searching, soulmate searching, being smart, informed and staying safe in the dating market. Human hearts are contradictory and the love pool has some unexpected waves to surf. Tech makes it possible and it's subject to the algorithmic and free market commodification. Achieve what you want, be smart and be safe. Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe. Leave a review and a rating. But more importantly, share with your connections.